Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It was nearly a decade ago when I saw the wraith for the first time. The shutters on the farmhouse rattled as the wind slammed into the building. The storm that bad hadn't passed through the area in years, and I sat huddled with my dog in the living room next to the fire, praying it would blow over soon enough. The dog had it worse than I did, though. Poor old Petey curled up in my lap with his tail tucked between his legs when the first roar of the thunder announced the arrival of storm an hour before. And he hadn't moved since. Well, outside of his constant trembling. And so there I sat, crushed under the weight of German Shepherd, while the storm of the century did its best impression of the big bad wolf. You'll have to try harder than that, I thought to myself, silently challenging the downpour outside. This farmhouse ain't never coming down. Not while I'm still kicking. A strange howling rose over the cacophony of the storm, as if the wind were answering my challenge with a defiant roar. The shutters blew themselves open and slammed against the walls on the outside of the farmhouse. I cursed under my breath and shoved Petey off my lap. For his part, that cowardly old fart crawled under the coffee table and buried his head under his front paws. Dashing over to the window, I slid it open and reached out to try to close the shutters again. And that's when I saw it. Out in the field, standing in the waist-high crop of corn, was a dark figure. It stood stock still like a statue, even with the wind blowing against its back. A black hood hid the figure's face from me, but even so, I could feel its steely gaze chilling me to the bone as it stood sentinel in the field. Only a few seconds had passed since I slid open the window and tried to grab the shutters, but I was already drenched. Shaking out of the stupor the figure had put me in, I took hold of both shutters and pulled them shut before doing the same to the window itself. My heart pounded in my chest as I tried to make sense of what I had just seen. It had to be a man, right? Someone from the town nearby who thought this would be the perfect time to scare the man who lived off on his own. But no one was foolish enough to go out right now. Not in a storm like this. Then maybe it was someone who came out here to hurt me. It doesn't matter who or what it was. You need to double check the locks. That thought spurred me into action and I darted toward the front door, which was closest to the figure's previous location. I confirmed that the lock was latched before parting the blind slightly 
and sneaking a peek outside. It was still out there in the same spot, staring right at the window where I had only been a moment before. Another chill ran down my spine as I breathed a small sigh of relief. At least I knew where it was. The hood turned suddenly to look in my direction, and I nearly pissed my pants in shock. That's when the figures started moving. It moved with a steady, methodical pace that told me it was in no rush. Whatever its business with me was, it had all the time in the world to get it done. I ran over to the gun safe on the other side of the room and yanked it open. Picking up my rifle, I checked that it was loaded, then ran back across the room to the front door. The blinds parted again as I looked for the hooded figure, but all I saw through the window was a field of corn being thrashed by the wind, and I wondered to myself had I imagined it. A sudden growl from Piety told me that I hadn't. I turned to check on him and saw the dog standing with his back to me, his hackles raised in alarm. He was looking at the back door. I pulled away from the front door and began racing across the room past Petey when I saw the handle begin to turn. I hadn't locked it after all. Petey began barking frantically, and panic welled up in me as I raised the gun and fired at the center mass of the window on the door. Glass shattered and the room shook as a ringing filled my ears and the sound of the storm outside came rushing in. Keeping my gun raised, I made my way to the back door and threw it open, fully expecting to see a body on the ground. But there was nothing there, not even a drop of blood. I scanned the porch in both directions before closing the door and sliding a nearby bookshelf in front of it to block out the rain and any further attacks. I slid to the floor with my back against the bookcase and I tried to catch my breath, my hands holding the rifle in a death grip. My ears had finally stopped ringing when I noticed an odd silence. Sure, the storm was still raging outside, but I couldn't hear Petey anymore. Looking back into the living room, I saw him sprawled out on the floor in an unnatural position. Panic filled me again as I half-crawled across the room to the dog's side. He was still alive, resting. The rest of the night and following days passed in a haze. I didn't sleep at all, and when the morning came and the storm broke, I checked every inch of the farm for the hooded figure. I couldn't find any trace of it. The vet said that Petey was okay. He had apparently developed a weak heart in his old age, and the excitement of the storm and gunshot were a bit too much for him. I took him back home, tail wagging, and I put him on my bed. Time passed and Petey was eventually okay. I had found a woman to date. Ellie had grown up on a farm a few states over, and I met her by chance when her truck broke down at the edge of my property. She took some time to warm up to me, but for me it was love at first sight. We got married a year later and went about our work together in bliss. I never did tell her about the wraith, 
It was what I had taken to calling it in my head at least. It appeared often enough in my nightmares that I needed a name for it, and I eventually settled on the Wraith. A few years passed before Ellie got pregnant, and nine months after that, she was ready to pop. She went into labor as another massive storm rolled through the area, stranding us at the farmhouse with her midwife. We were a good twelve hours into the process, and it was nearing one o'clock in the morning when I went down to the kitchen to get more ice chips for Ellie. I just closed the door to the freezer when the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end and I felt my stomach drop. Setting the ice chips down on the counter, I followed my grim intuition to the front door and parted the blinds in a ghoulish rendition of that horrible night years before. The wraith was out there in the field rooted in that exact spot it had stood four years earlier. And it was exactly how I remembered it. The specter must have finally come back years later to finish the job. My blood ran cold though, when I saw that it was looking at the upstairs window. Ellie. I turned tail and booked it to the gun safe, an awful sense of deja vu washing over me as I unlocked it and pulled out my rifle. I passed by the cup of ice chips on my way back from the front door, and my mind turned to Ellie up in our room giving birth. The gunshot was part of what had hurt Petey last time. Was I about to fall into the same trap? And I hesitated as I relived that fateful night. I had wondered from time to time through the years if the Wraith wasn't actually there to kill Petey himself, if it was instead some kind of omen or portent, there simply because death was about to visit the household. It had tried to come inside, sure, but ultimately it was fear that hurt Petey, not the Wraith. If that thing outside was just the messenger, not a killer, then how would I want my wife's last moments to be spent? Did I want her scared and confused as I shot wildly at some specter that I wasn't sure she could see? Or did I want her squeezing my hand and knowing I was there until the very end? I felt the oddest sense of peace wash over me as I set the gun on the counter, picked up the cup of ice chips, and rushed back upstairs. However... Ellie died that night after giving birth to our son, Isaac. It was a complicated delivery, and she had lost too much blood for her body to keep going. I held our baby boy in my arms as the funeral home director came to pick my wife up and take her away to be embalmed. I still never found any trace of the wraith out in the field, and just like the time before, time passed by in a blur. Grief is an odd thing at the simplest of times, but it's even more strange when it mingles with the joy of a child. I had lost the light of my life in Ellie, but at the same time had gained a new light in Isaac. The joy of my son didn't cancel out the pain of my loss. No, it mingled with it. The two seemingly opposite forces joining each other in an intricate dance that wove itself into my very soul. 
Each morning brought the pain of waking up alone, followed by the thrill of holding my son in my arms. And every time Isaac reached another milestone, like learning to walk or saying his first words, I found tears flowing freely from my eyes even as I smiled and cheered him on. To call it a roller coaster would be an understatement and an overstatement at the same time. No ride on earth could match the highs and lows of the years that followed, but those highs and lows often occurred at the exact same time, leaving me in an odd middle ground that I could only call grief. Ellie would have been so proud of the boy Isaac had become. That boy reminded me a little bit more of his mother every day, and I found myself joking to my friends about how she had managed to raise him better from the grave than I ever could alive. It was just after his sixth birthday when the next major storm came. First, sickness with Petey. Then, the death of my wife. What would be next? I had been on edge all week ever since the weatherman predicted another major system moving through the area. Isaac, whip-sharp as he was, had picked up on the tension around the house, but chalked it up to me being afraid of storms. Credit where credit's due, he wasn't wrong, but he also didn't know the whole truth. I was never able to tell anyone about the wraith and there was no way in hell I was ever going to tell my son. I was going to take the wraith with me to my grave, possibly even that very weekend. The night of the storm finally came and I made sure we were ready. Isaac had taken just about every vitamin in the house, been cleared by our pediatrician, and didn't have so much as a cough. Every potentially dangerous object had been locked away, and I made sure the boy had his favorite cartoons to watch until it was bedtime. I simply refused to lose my boy. The first half of the night passed without incident. Isaac loved having a movie night in the blanket fort the two of us had made together, and I periodically used his distraction to peek through the bedroom window and out into the field. It was empty every time. Shortly after Isaac had gone to bed, I checked the window again and saw the wraith standing in that very same spot, looking right up at me. Fear began to well up inside me, but was quickly replaced with rage. This thing had made my dog ill and had taken my wife from me. But now, ten years later, it was trying to take my son. The only good thing that I had left in the world? Absolutely not. As I marched down the stairs and out the front door into the downpour, I thought about how grief is a funny thing. I had dealt with denial and depression and even dabbled in acceptance. But here I was, face to face with the wraith that had ruined my life and haunted my nightmares for a decade and all I could feel was anger. I had a bargain for it, and I wasn't going to take no for an answer. The wind howled as it tried to blow me back toward the house, as if telling me 
that this isn't how this thing is supposed to go. It blew harder against me until I was leaning like a hiker up a steep hill, but still I pressed onward, closing the distance between me and the wraith. Fifty feet, twenty feet, ten feet. All the while, it just stood there, staring up at the bedroom window where my boy lay fast asleep, unaware of the fight going on for his soul. The wraith only turned to look at me when I got close enough to touch. The darkness under its hood stretched into an eternity, as if there was never a face there at all, but an abyss that awaited all those it visited. You can't have him, I called over the roar of the storm, tears filling in my eyes and mingling with the rain that soaked me to the bone. I won't let you have my boy. Just take me instead. The wraith slowly turned its head to look toward the window, then back at me, as if it were considering my offer. The moment stretched into eternity as the wind and rain pounded the two of us. Then, without fanfare, the wraith reached a gloved hand out toward me. Do we have a deal? I asked keeping my eyes locked on the abyss under its hood. The wraith nodded slowly, and I took its hand.